so good to be here with you guys just worshiping this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, we are together as a family, and we appreciate that. So this part of your family is Norwegian, <laughs> just so you know. Okay, so this is, you actually see our team. I'm a Bible school teacher back home in Stavanger, Norway, and this these are a few of my students. Well, my husband is not my student. The rest of them are my students, and they are studying prophecy. So that's really cool. They're setting aside one year and come to just work their way through the Word of God and just study uh, and listen to Him, listen to Him, and communicating to others. So you'll see there's a good mix right here. There's one from Vietnam, one from Myanmar, uh, one from Eritrea. That was Maddie, okay. So <laughs> and we have just had a really good time. We've been on the road for three and a half weeks. That's a long time. And we still love each other. And that's a miracle right there. You know, that's just amazing. So I thought, uh, let me just check first. I'll go out of the lights for a second and just check how many were here on Friday. Okay, so some of you. Okay. So this time you get to share my family photos. Is that, you get to see my family album. Is that okay? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I would have done it anyway. So uh, this, let's see. Uh, you saw my husband here in the corner. We got married 3,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, this is our wedding pictures. Back then, we only had black and white. Yeah. And then modern day came. So, okay. So these are our kids. Because we're family, it's good for you guys to know our kids. So here we have a good mix. You see that. Um, and, and, well... In Norway, the foster care system is a bit different from here. It, it resembles what you call open adoption, right? So our kids have been staying with us for 20 years. They are our kids. And in addition to that, they also have other parents. So this is Vanessa in the middle. She's 20. She will be 26 soon. Ibrahim standing next to her dressed in black and her, his girlfriend, Benedicta. And then Gabriel's in the middle. Uh, oh, by the way, Ibrahim is 24. Uh, Abraham, uh, sorry, Gabriel is 22, and Adrian standing next to him is the homemade one. <laughs> you kind of knew that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, he's 20 soon. And that is his girlfriend, Anna. She's half Thai, so we have a good mix going on in our family. Yeah, we love that. So I'm going to share something that happened in our family. And it, if it happened in our, that means that it happened in yours too. So you go ahead and grab whatever you hear that God is mentioning that is saying something about your situation, your condition, your disease, your family's condition, or whatever it is. Just make sure that you grab hold of what God is doing. Because what he's done for us, he will do for you. Okay? So just before I start, I just, I just want to pray into that. Father God, thank you for everything that you have done in our family. Thank you for healing our son. Thank you for working miracles, not just one, but many. Father, we just release this faith in the room. We just release these miracles, and we just say, do it again, Lord. Be glorified here. Let the only one remain uh, to be you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So this is the story of Adrian's healing. You saw him, right? The pale one? Yeah, <laughs> he looks like us, yeah. So this, 
this is actually from year 2000, and I will have you know that that hairdo was completely okay back then. <laughs> you were praying for healing right there, right? Well, okay, stop it. <laughs> so our son was born, and he seemed completely healthy. Uh, we had been parents for a while back then, but he was born in, in 2000, and, and he seemed fine. He, he was. He was completely healthy for some time. A very, very social, uh, very happy little boy. And we just had a really, really good time. We felt so blessed. And then at the age of five and a half months, something changed. That's when we started feeding him baby foods. You know, the kind of foods without gluten, without dairy or whatever. But we, we gave him baby foods and he got sick, like very sick. And I know that when I say sick, some may think, oh, his tummy hurt. Or, you know, he just didn't feel so bad. But it didn't feel so good, sorry. But uh, he was in so much pain that uh, he stopped, you know, babbling. Um, he was crying all through the night. Uh, his clothes were soaked. His face was red from the crying. You know, he, um, it was hard to connect with him. He had enough with his pain. And as time passed by, he got very, very sick. And they tried everything. No. Um, but he was in so much pain. And we saw that he was getting thinner and thinner and more and more fragile. And they tried to give him every kind of medication, but they just didn't work. So when he was around 13 months old, he was admitted to the hospital. And by that time, he was still wearing onesies uh, size up to six months, like three to six months. It was, he was tiny. And I had to cut open the neck of his onesie to get it over his normal size head and to put on his tiny, tiny body. And he was admitted and they discovered, well, uh, there's something wrong with his digestive system. It, it's like he can't have some kind of food. So we'll just put him on IV, like not a gastric tube, but uh, straight into the bloodstream, right? Yeah. And they did that. And within a couple of days, he was pain-free. And we thought, oh, oh, that's strange. Okay. Yeah. So our lives turn, turned around just then. We thought that it would be the situation for a few months, but it really wasn't. It was, it was there to stay, but we didn't know at the time. And the doctors prepared us, you know, it might take some time, but his intestines will mature or something will happen. Well, it never did. And he had to have a permanent IV line. Uh, and when you have a lot, lots of fluids over a long time, um, you can't use the small veins anymore. So he had to get one straight to his heart. And we became nurses just overnight, like highly trained, specialized nurses. And our lives just changed. And we went from being parents to being full-time staff. And we had to watch over him while he was connected. You know, in the beginning it was 24 hours a day, but uh, later it was 17 hours. We had to connect him to his IV line. We were never trained as nurses. Now we were. <laughs> yeah. And he was just very, very sick. And life's, life just turned 
first we were in the hospital and he had to learn to walk again because first he learned to walk and then he stopped because he was in so much pain. So we had to, had to try to, or he had to learn to walk again. Uh, this time carrying his IV <laughs> in, a, in a trolley, in a cart. And that was his daily life for many months. You know, just playing in the hospital, getting to know the people, yeah, making friends in the hallway, dressing up <laughs> in the hospital, everything in the hospital. And then we got back home. And our, before we got home, I'll just show you, that's how you wash the hair in the hospital, <laughs> right there, yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of surgery. We got home in between those pictures, you will see that he's grown a bit. Uh, and we, we were um, taking care of him at home. At first, we did it all 24 hours by ourselves, just the two of us. And then we had nurses later coming from, from the community. Uh, and they were helping us during the night. But everything that had to do with connecting him to the IV line, every medical procedure, we had to do ourselves. Just because it was too dangerous to let other people connect him. I'll tell you why later. So he got used to a lot of surgeries, waking up after surgery, listening to audio, and just, yeah, trying to escape his daily life, basically, because it was really hard. But we still hope that things would turn around, that he would get better. And then we realized that he wouldn't. Now, for a while at least, we realized that several organ systems were affected, that we did not only speak of, of the, the digestive system, but that he also had um, muscular atrophy. That his muscles would weaken and disappear. That he had several neurological issues. Epilepsy, aphasia, like you forget the words. Not like we all do but like losing a work for three years at a time. Yeah. And he had a lot, of, a lot of issues, a lot of things going on with him. Um, we discovered he had an immune deficiency. And he would like all of a sudden breathe just slightly differently. We would hear a change in his breathing. We were used to listening for his breathing for every symptom. And it would, there would just be a, a swift or a slight change. And then we just had to pick him up and run. And we had to take him to hospital just as, as soon as we could. And I usually tell, say that it takes 14 minutes to drive from our house to the nearest hospital. Well, those times it took eight. And we still had to run. We didn't have the time to wait for an ambulance. We had to run, get him in the car, just take him to the hospital, run in the hallways until we got somewhere where they knew him because we couldn't risk anyone just hesitating. We would call in advance and they would be waiting for us and run, run alongside with us. And from the minute we, dis we heard the change in his breathing until we were at the hospital, it took less than 15 minutes. And still they said, why did you wait for so long? It's almost too late. So we were in a state of constant emergency. And in the meantime, we were living <laughs> because life doesn't stop, does it? So he would still go on a slide, but once we got him up, he would have to rest before going back down. 
he would still sit on a bike. He couldn't really do anything about it, but he would sit there, be part of the game in, in the kindergarten because he would go sometimes, I'll tell you about that, but he would have to rest as he was playing. And we, uh, we had him in, in kindergarten or preschool. Uh, he could go, those, some days he could go, not very often. Sometimes it would take two months and then he could go back and go two days, for instance, and then another two weeks and then three days, you know. But we had this spot saved for him in the kindergarten. And he would go for two hours and he would sleep. Well, first he would play for half an hour and he would sleep for an hour and then he would play for another half hour. And after that, he would look like that. He would just be exhausted. But he didn't want to go home though because his, all his friends were in the kindergarten. So I would usually take his picture and I would show it to him. And I would say, does this guy look tired? And he would say, yeah, that one needs to go home. <laughs> yeah. So he got used to playing really quietly. You know, he's a very expressive kid, really, <laughs> when he's not sick. <laughs> but he just had to be careful because he had so limited energy and he had to make sure that he got to experience the things that he wanted, like going out, for instance, for 15 minutes or so. But for a, a butterfly to sit still on you, you sit quite, quite still, actually, very still. He was just too tired to run uh, or to jump or just even to assemble Legos. Do you guys like Legos? Yeah. So you know that it, you have to push them together, right? He was just way too weak to do that. Yeah. So then he got his wheelchair at age four. He loved that. That, that thing is seriously cool. So when you meet someone who, and you think they are chained, chained to a wheelchair, just think again. Because that actually gave him freedom to go somewhere else. Obviously, he would have preferred to run or to jump. He would have. But still, that thing was just, it brought a lot of joy to a tired kid. <laughs> yeah. So this is from Adrian's sixth birthday. And he had decided he wanted a pirate, a pirate party. So we did everything. We did the cake, the chocolate cake. Of course, he couldn't have any of it. Uh, but he, he had decided what he wanted to do. So he had crushed ice cubes in, with, with a, a color without nutrients in a, in a bowl. And then in his, his cup, you see it? All the other kids had soda. Uh, well, he had water. <laughs> but it felt real. <laughs> he was in his own birthday party for 15 minutes before he was exhausted. Yeah. So school in Norway starts at age six. We took him to school. He was exhausted. It was just really hard to, he, he had enough with just being there. After that picture was taken, he said, can you just lay my, my back down please? Because I can't sit up anymore. And because the muscles were gone in his back, he would slide over. So we had to get him, uh, get a vest for him to sustain him in the wheelchair. And that's how exhausted he was. So we tried school for three weeks. And after that, the headmaster called us and he said, um, you know, this won't work. 
we have to send a teacher home to you guys because after just the drive, the two minutes drive from your house to the school, he's exhausted. He can't do this. And we saw it too. So for the next years, from age 6 to age 12, a teacher will come to our house. Great people. Yeah. Angels serving us. They were just awesome. Uh, I remember one of them, she really wanted him to experience the things that other kids did. So when they were sewing in, in school, like for manual labor and stuff, she brought a machine. She came to our house with a machine because we are doing manual labor today. Kind of, <laughs> You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right? Isn't that awesome? Just serving when someone is in need, it just blesses my heart so much. So I don't know if you guys have ever had like a stuffed animal in your class, have you? Like you take them home for the weekend and they visit different homes, you know, and then you take them back and the kids tell what the, the bunny or the rabbit, whatever have been doing, Teddy has been doing this weekend. Have you done that at school? Okay, we did too. So bunny, sorry, bunny was traumatized. He got injections, you know, <laughs> he, got, he got IV treatment, you know. <laughs> but, but Adrian was going to tell, this is what we've done this weekend, and Bunny was part of it. Well, Bunny needs so-so. <laughs> so Adrian spent most of his day resting on the deck, at the deck, with the dog, or just listening to audiobooks, to music, just talking to Jesus. Because you don't really need to be healthy to be in a relationship with Jesus. So if you are waiting for your life to turn around before you seek him, don't. <laughs> Do it now. And he would always talk to Jesus because Jesus was his friend. And Jesus would come and take him up to heaven and show him things. And he would talk to us about it afterwards. I don't usually share this because it always makes me tear up, but I'll try. He was two and a half years old when he told us, you know, Jesus come and got me. And he took me to heaven and we were having a pizza party. And I cried because I had to leave you guys and I knew that I would be sad, that you would be sad. So I cried, he said, but after a while we had such a great time and he told everything about what heaven was like and what they were doing. And he said, Jesus told me that I had to go back. And then I cried because I didn't want to. So he told us that. And we knew that we had him for a limited time only. And you know, more than anything, I was just grateful for having him. So, after that, Thomas and I took turns just locking ourselves in the bathroom for half an hour, just crying our hearts out, you know. Yeah, freshen up afterwards and going back and parenting, <laughs> you know, yeah. But yeah, he was ours to have for a short time. That's how we felt about that. And we prayed for him. 
you should know that we really prayed. And we prayed for healing. And we prayed for his life. You know, thank you. You are such a servant. Thank you. Yeah. This is why I don't tell this part. Get it? We had prayed for many people who were healed. But our son was very, very ill. So we asked him when he got older, and we said, what do you want us to pray about? How would you like our prayers to be? And he said, I would like, I, I know that I've asked God to heal me. So that's right in there. I have delivered my application. <laughs> I said, we're good. <laughs> but please pray that I won't be in pain. So we did. And we had a great relationship with Adrian's doctors. And as he was getting sicker and weaker, our doctor said, well, you've said that you wanted to go somewhere, to go on a trip for your family to gather memories, to collect memories for you guys to live on when Adrian's gone. Well, this is your time. This is your window of opportunity. Because if he is alive next year, he won't be able to go anywhere. So we thought, okay, now what? What do we do? Where do we go? Thank you. Where do we go? And we thought, well, we can't really take him to an amusement park because he's way too sick. We can't take him to a beach because he, has, he is connected to his IV. Uh, we can't take him to a place where there's not a functioning health care system. Uh, so what are our options? And then we thought, well, what do we want to do? This is our 20th anniversary, you know, from the 3,000-year picture that you saw. Yeah? Okay. This is our 20th anniversary. What do we want to do? And we thought, we want to go to a conference, to a church conference. We just want to praise Jesus with someone because we were isolated for many years. And we did have a church family, but we weren't really able to attend that much because Adrian's, of Adrian's immune deficiency. So we wanted to go to a conference. And we thought, where do we go? And we thought, well, we have this music, this worship music from a church called Bethel. Sounds like a church, right? It must be a church. We didn't know anything about Bethel. What if we go there? Because our kids love the music, so then they will be happy and we can be at the conference. Good plan. Let's do that. So we checked. Where is Bethel? It's in Northern California. And we thought, you know, we thought it was the Lord, but this is really a bad idea. Because to go that far would be dangerous for Adrian. To be in a, in a plane for 20 hours and connect him to his IV, to give him IV medication, to, you know, saline solutions, everything, that would just be really dangerous. And also the strain of going on a 20-hour-long air trip would just be, we thought it, it, it would kill him. <laughs> so we thought, oh, right, this was a really bad idea. Let's flush that one. And God went silent. And we didn't realize at first. We didn't realize that we didn't sense his presence. Well, 
the day after we did, we did obviously, because we're used to sensing God's presence and hearing his voice every day. But still, we didn't know why we didn't hear him anymore. And it took us two months, actually, because we are really slow people. And we thought we were desperate. We thought, when was the last time we heard God's voice? And we realized it was when we talked about going to Bethel. And right there, his presence was back. Right there. And this is not about going to Bethel or not going to Bethel. It's about hearing God's voice and responding to it. So once we knew that God was calling us to go to Bethel or inviting us to go to Bethel, it was an easy choice. So we booked the tickets and we made all the plans and we took 230 pounds of medical equipment with us. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Our kids, everyone, and we got on the plane. I need to tell you that five weeks bef before our trip, we started hearing about, about healings and miracles that took place in, at Bethel. And I responded as a mother thinking, oh no, will some stranger just throw themselves at my child <laughs> and just, you know, make him scared or make him feel small and devaluated. Devalued, yeah. So I asked him, and I said, Adrian, someone might want to pray for you, like people you don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you want them to pray for your healing? And he said, hmm, I don't know. I have a good life. And you know, just as a mom, to hear that your seriously ill son has thinks that he has a good life, a good quality of life, you know, it may not have healed him, but it certainly did a lot of good for me. So don't, don't wait until you are healed to enjoy the good life of God. Yeah. So first thing when we got to Bethel, Adrian leaned over after just a few hours. He said, now I want to know that everything God has for me, that's what I want. I just know. And the day after, there was a breakout session on healing. And as they were telling about creative miracles and just sharing, I felt my, my faith being stirred. I went from, from thinking, can he really do that? Can God really do, does God really want to do that? To thinking, of course he does. That's who he is. <laughs> That's who you are. So when they said, does anyone need a miracle? My 12-year-old son raised his hand. And I thought, I'll stay close to protect him. In case anyone comes and says, what's wrong with you? And then uh, a, a young man, about 22, 23 years old of age, came over and he leaned over to Adrian and he said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> And Adrian looked at me and, and we didn't say anything, but, but I could both sense us thinking, we can't say anything. First thing, we'll be here until tomorrow morning. And then second, he will be so discouraged. <laughs> so Adrian said, I can't eat 
And the young man said, I know how you feel. I too used to have celiac disease. It wasn't quite the same. But he didn't say anything because God knew. So he sat down with him and he prayed for him. Just a short, short, simple prayer. And Adrian said, thank you. And the man left. And I sat down with him with Adrian and I asked him, how do you feel? Did you sense anything while he was praying? And he said, no, but it was a good experience. And honestly, I would have been happy with that at the time. <laughs> I just, I wanted him to have a good experience of prayer, like you were saying, you know. But then we went to Olive Garden because it's the place of the Lord. <laughs> and we had breadsticks, yeah. And there we were, just we ordered food first. And, and we didn't order anything for Adrian, although he was used to having food on his plate, to cut into pieces, just to smell it, be a part of the meal experience. And at, back home, he would always tell us, uh, he would decide too what we were having for dinner. They were taking turns. Like, and he would decide too, because he had to smell it after all. But there we were, and we didn't order anything for him. So he said, can I have a breadstick? And we thought, sure, why not? It's not like you're going to eat it anyway, so go ahead. You go ahead. And then we started sharing what we had seen God doing. And one of our sons had been praying for a woman who was born deaf, and she got her hearing. Isn't that amazing? And we were just praising God, and we were so excited. And Adrian said, can I have another one? And we said, no, you already have one. And he said, not anymore. And we was like, what just happened? What did you do? I ate it. And you have to understand that this was so out of character for Adrian. Because he had been living like this ever since he was a baby. And we had tested many, many times with a doctor and a nutritionist from the hospital to see if he could have just tiny, tiny pieces of, of um, food that were, had a high content of water, for instance that his intestines might be able to process, but he just got really sick every time. So we did that up until one week before we left for Bethel. And he had the same severe reaction. So we knew that he was extremely sick up until the very moment when it was prayed for. So there we were at Olive Garden thinking, now what do we do? What do we do? Um, he ate bread, like complex carbs, like what's going to happen right now? Like, Lord, what, what are you doing right now? And we switched over to Spanish to make sure that we could discuss this without our kids getting <laughs> knowing what we were saying. <laughs> so there we were thinking, what do we do? Uh, we can't take him to a hospital because it's just, it's too complex. <laughs> Sounds weird, but you know, uh, he would have to stay in the hospital for a long time because they wouldn't know what was wrong with them. Um, so we thought, we'll just go ahead and observe. We'll see what's, what's happening. And I sound really calm now, but I wasn't. And he was just grinning, you know, like sheepishly, like, you know. And it was just strange. And we went straight back to the conference because we thought we are not missing out on this. So there we were in worship during the conference, looking at him. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Let me look at you. Are you pale? No, you're not pale. Okay, you look good. Okay. How do you feel? Do you have any pain? No? Okay. 
50 times and he was fine. He was completely fine. And someone turned around and they prayed for his arms and legs as well. And just nothing that we had not said at least 100 times already. And then we went back to the house that we rented. And as we were going to bed, as we were going to bed, uh, Adrian said, can I have half a slice of bread? I was like, now what? Now what do you do? First time was an accident. Now it's a choice. We thought, oh, well, nothing happened when he had the breadstick. Let's go ahead and give him a half a slice of bread. And we did. And he was, he was happy. He was delighted. Let me just see if I have a picture of that. That's him worshiping at Bethel. He couldn't hold his arms up, so he just put them on daddy's arms and had him lift up his arms. And here he is, half a slice of bread in his undies. Okay, anyway. <laughs> and he was just so excited. And he said, I never knew bread tasted that good. <laughs> yeah. And during the night, Thomas and I were, we were up praying for a while. And we thought, this is so out of character for us. We have been taking care of his medical needs and everything ever since he was born. What's going on here? We, we, this is so unlike us. We are the responsible <laughs> parents. What's going on right here? And we even tried to, you know, put on a frown and something, but we were giggling. And we had such a peace, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's right there. And Thomas went with Adrian. Adrian was asleep and Thomas was watching him. And, and I was asleep until the morning. And then 5.30 in the morning, I tiptoed in to see if he was still alive. And he, there he was in his bed, rosy-cheeked. And he woke up and he said, when's breakfast? And I told a bit more about this on Saturday, no, on Friday, but just for time, I, I'll... I'll just let you know that we soon saw evidence of his bowel system working just fine. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a first time, actually. So that was just amazing. Yeah, God is good. Go ahead and give God an applause. He really deserves it. Mm. You need to know that we had a very, very sick boy one day. And then the next day he was completely fine. And Adrian was given a life and a future. And there was nothing that we could do that would actually heal him. But within two days after being prayed for, we felt the muscles of his back rowing back. And we didn't know at the time what it was. We felt it was muscles, but we thought, this is just too weird. We're not going to tell anyone. Or we did a Mary and we just hid it in our hearts, <laughs> pondering it, you know. <laughs> just. But his muscle tissue grew back. 
and within five days after he was prayed for, he jumped out of his wheelchair and he just chased pigeons like toddlers do. And I thought, God, you are really restoring everything. And he did. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Within a year and a half, we waited for a long time. First, we, we took him to the doctors when we got back. And they examined him. That's a good part of being in Norway. They will do anything to find out. So we have really good documentation of Adrian's sickness and also his healing. And they, we allowed them to do any test that they wanted. Because God had told me in a dream to respect and honor his doctors. So we did. And they tested his muscles and he got, the muscle tissue grew back like so fast, so fast. We wanted them to take away his IV line, but they didn't want to in case he fell sick again. And we thought, oh, this is really dangerous because one thing is having an IV line, permanent IV line when you're in a wheelchair. Another thing is when you're jumping trampoline and, and just climbing trees, that's really dangerous because it breaks, it's like tearing off a vein. So um, we wanted them to take away the IV line, and they said no. And we were praying about it, and we were determined to honor his doctors because God had told us to. Within four months, the pecs grew back so quickly that it tore the IV line out of position, and they had to remove it. Oh, yeah, let me just show you this first. So these are our pictures from the summer when Adrian was healed. This is a test, y'all. Find out what do they have in common. Yeah. <laughs> first school day, age 12. Do you have do you guys have a first school day picture? I bet it didn't look like that, right? You were much younger. Yeah. This is his IV line being removed. Hmm. That was such a great day. <laughs> so, we went into a year of first learning how to ride a bike at 12, learning how to fall off a bike and still get back up, learning how to go skiing, learning how to go skating and how to fall while skating. <laughs> First time going to the movies with friends, eating his own birthday cake this time. Yeah. First sleepover at a friend's house. First time taking communion things that you don't talk, think about. But, you know, God restores everything. And this is from the prophet Mikey. <laughs> a year after Adrian's healing. And we paid close attention over time because some things needs to be observed over time. It wasn't until a year and a half after that we knew for sure that a heart arrhythmia was completely healed, that the epilepsy was completely healed. So, yeah, thank you, Jesus. So life changed. And when Adrian was age nine, he had heard Heidi Baker talk about the baby house in Mozambique. And he started putting aside money from his allowance. He got $7 a week and he started putting aside money to send to the babies. 
And when he, when he grew up, he said, or when he was a child, he said, if I grow up, I would like to visit the baby house in Mozambique. You know how kids say when I grow up? Well, he never did. He said, if I grow up, I would like to visit the babies in Mozambique. So we did. Several times. We've been to Southeast Asia, Laos. And Adrian is now 19 years old and he's completely healed. Yeah. So we stayed in touch with the pediatric, pediatric department and submitted him to tests until he was 18. Why did we do that? Because God's deserve, God deserves the credit for what he's done. There's nothing that we have done. There's nothing that we could do. There's no diet. There's no change in treatment. There is nothing. It's only God. So I know that many people who experience a miracle, they don't want to go back to the doctor and have it checked because they say it's a, it's a sign of disbelief. It's really not. Just do it. Let God be glorified. Have documentation of your miracle. There's nothing better. You know? So go ahead and do it. So we have complete documentation of all of many years of sickness as well as his healing and his life afterwards. And God told me to write a book about this, uh, and I did. And in the English version uh, that's called I Have a Good Life, there is a medical report from his doctor. That's also available on my blog site. So, uh, well, I wanted to show you this picture because to me it was the most powerful picture of all after. Because I'm telling you, kids in a wheelchair, they don't need to empty their shoes of sand. just don't but this just tells me everything about how powerful God is how he doesn't only he's not only able to heal but he wants to he wants to and I had said that so many times you know but now I know I know I know it's God's heart to heal and Norwegians don't usually feature in media I'll tell you that we just don't like it uh, but if we are to be known for anything, let it be for telling what God has done. And we want to honor God and give him the glory and the honor for his miracle working power in Adrian's body. So our story is one of God's faithfulness. He's just so faithful. He's so good. And if any of you guys have any of the issues that I have mentioned here, I would encourage you to go ahead and check out if God has already healed you. Because we've seen that so many times. So many times that all of a sudden people get up and say, hey, it doesn't hurt anymore. So I won't be offended if you just stand up and check out your healing. That's fine with me. I'll be praising God with you. Okay, so we were listening for words of knowledge before the meeting. So words of knowledge is is what God, when God is telling us what he wants to do, okay? But let me just tell you first the healings, some of the healings, I must say, that we have seen in the last 48 hours, okay? This is what God has done in the last 40, 48 hours, and it's just a bit of it, okay? But if you have any of these symptoms or diseases or conditions, go ahead and grab it for yourself. 
grab the testimony of God's healing power for yourself. Okay, so uh, we pray for a back injury, two herniated discs. She was completely healed. Okay. Paralysis after stroke, numbness and partial paralysis, completely healed. Pain from a car accident, healed. Knee problems, many, many knee problems, completely healed for different reasons, different causes. Yeah, and God just did it all. He's so awesome. So pain in the neck, and it's not a person, but it's a condition, okay? Completely healed. Uh, severe headache over a long time, chronic headache, gone, gone, just gone. Lower back pain, completely healed. Hearing, great, great improvement. Great improvement. So, uh, and that's just, you know, some of the words. We just got together just before the service saying, what, what have we seen? Um, and we have seen so many things taking place just since Friday, praying for people during the wall on Saturday. And, and yeah, it's just, he's doing it. Okay, so here are some more words of knowledge. Words of knowledge are when God is telling us what he wants to do. Now, he'll do more than that. So if your condition is not mentioned here, it's okay. But as I am mentioning these words of knowledge, or even, even as if you recognize your condition or your situation from what I've said already, just go ahead and stand up as I read this. So digestive issues, we talked about that, neurological issues, um, aphasia, epilepsy, immune deficiency, uh, cardiovascular problems, uh, oh yeah, actually, and Thomas is pointing here, uh, enlarged spleen and uh, liver damage, that too. Um, anything else? Yeah, and what I've mentioned, back injury, herniated discs, paralysis, go ahead and stand up if that's you. Uh, pain from car accident, knee problems, uh, neck pain, uh, chronic headache, uh, lower back pain, hearing loss, yeah. Because what we've seen is that the things that we've seen is he healed are actually words of knowledge for others as well for yeah okay so broken finger ring finger uh, and or it's giving pain in the pinky finger okay yeah this is from this morning yeah words of knowledge from this morning arthritis we've seen several here from arthritis already if that's you go ahead uh, glaucoma both eyes neck pain left side kidney stones Digestive problems, top of the stomach, uh, post-concussion syndrome. If that's you, stand up. Uh, we also want to bless people's fertility. We really feel strongly to pray for, for fertility issues. So that would be our privilege to do that for you. So right arm, elbow and down, uh, that is lower arm, it's been broken. And now you are suffering from neurological pain after trauma. Just go ahead and stand up if that's you. Heart problem, sharp pain in the chest. Nosebleed, like constant nosebleed, or not constant, on and off over years. Dyslexia, nerve pain, right arm, and right knee, like outside ligament damage. Cancer. So I do see some people in the room because of the lights, I can't see you all, but we would very much like to pray for you. But already now, if there's something that you can test, if you have a pain, for instance, if you 
if you do whatever, push-ups or whatever, and it, it usually causes you pain, go ahead and test that right now. Is the pain still there? Because very often we see God healing in immediately when the words of knowledge go on. Okay? So go ahead and test, test that. How's your lower back? How's your pinky? What is God doing right now? And when you know, just wave your arms. If you are healed, if you have a, a great improvement, go ahead and, and wave your arms so that we can uh, praise God for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are so faithful. You are so good, Father God. Yeah. Okay, so for all of you, we would like to pray for you. All of you who stand and the rest of you who have come for other things, we would love to pray for you. So uh, there are some Norwegians who will pray for you. Is that okay? Hi. Can I let down lose the Vikings? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So you all just team up with, uh, with people from the bridge, yeah? Uh, and we'll pray. So uh, Norwegians, if they go quiet, they're not done praying. They're just listening, okay? And if they say in Jesus' name, it's not because it's, they have finished their prayer. It's just because they are partnering with what they hear God saying and doing, okay? So, uh, Pastor Dennis, would you go ahead and just, let me just pray for you first. Father, we just bless these people. We just uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for every word of knowledge. Thank you for letting us know. You tell us what you want to do, Father God. Thank you for your infinite mercy and grace, Father. Yeah, we just bless these people and ask for an increase. As you continue to heal them, we ask for an increase, Father. We love you, Jesus. 